So glad to be with you guys this morning. My name is Nicole Eunice. I am part of our teaching faculty. I come and visit. I was here pretty recently in our Christmas series, and I'm so glad to be back. Thank you for ordering up your most perfect weather um, to help me more, more fully embrace that it is actually okay to live in the South. So thank you. Um, okay, so I'm here today. I'm so excited to be in this series. We're in this series, The Answer is Always Jesus. We're talking about this idea from this book, Surprise the World, right? And we're talking about what it means to live questionable lives. Now, of course, that's sort of a provocative statement, right? Because of the way we usually use that phrase. But in this case, we're talking about living lives that actually do look different because we follow Jesus. The way that we relate with people, the way that we engage with the world, the way that we engage with our culture, all is meant to look different because of Jesus. So today we're going to talk about actually like the part of it where you're in your everyday life and you're thinking about what it means to engage your faith, what it means to invite others into your faith. And this is a tricky subject, right? Because we, we feel kind of all kinds of ways about this. You guys know this about human beings. If we feel like we're supposed to do something and we don't do it, we don't feel good about it. So like when we talk about everyone, what, what is everyone's resolutions in January? I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat better. I'm gonna eat clean, you know, I'm gonna work out. Because we're always constantly feeling like there's these things that we're supposed to be doing that we're not doing. And in general, what happens with New Year's resolutions? They don't work, right? So why would we be uncomfortable in a series on evangelism? Well, probably because we feel like there's something that we're supposed to be doing that we're not doing, or we're not doing it well, or we're not doing it perfectly, or we've tried and it's awkward, and so we don't really like want to talk about it. Like Terrence talked about a couple weeks ago, it's like a gift we like to put under the table and not really bring it out. And, and, and maybe it's because we've had some awkward or difficult conversations along the way. So there's all kinds of reasons why, just as human beings, this can be tough to engage with. But I'm hoping that over the next like, few minutes, we might just be not just comfortable, but actually excited about what God is up to in our lives. I hope I might be able to reframe a little bit of what I think our everyday life with Christ can look like when it comes to the work of engaging the soul of another human being. Because if this is really what we believe and this is who we follow and it's truly what we love, we wanna know how to talk about what we love, right? We don't struggle to talk about other things that we love. We love to talk, I mean, most of us love to talk about the things that we love, right? Like I love coffee. I, we can talk about pour overs. I can tell you about the Starbucks Reserve in New York City. We can talk about roasters. I could go on and on. I really like coffee. If you guys wanna talk about coffee, let's talk, right? Here's a topic I think everyone's ready to talk about, the Detroit Lions, right? I, I, I texted my son last night. I'm like, I need to sound relevant. What do I need to know? And he's like, they've won their first playoff game in the last 30 years with a very young team. I was like, that's exciting. I'm in. I'm totally in. I'm, I'm in for the underdog story. I even know there's a game today. I'm in, right? We could all talk about that. I have a friend who told me, truly wanted to convince me that the world of like wrestling, like WWE, is actually about telling stories of epic proportions in sort of a Shakespearean way. Like, I, I don't, I didn't go there with him, but he was ready to tell me all about it. And yet when it comes to our lives with Jesus, sometimes we really struggle to know how to talk about this thing that we love. We think we're going to tell it wrong, or we're not going to be able to answer someone's objections, or we're going to we're going to make someone feel judged by us, right? I don't, I don't feel judged by you if I talk about coffee and you don't like coffee. 
So, so what is it about our lives in Christ that makes this difficult? And there's a, there's a lot of things going on in the midst of that. And I think this is one of them that can be really helpful to understand as well. There's a, there's a good amount of research on the way different generations engage with faith. Now, we know that this is somewhat stereotypical, but when we look back on cultural sort of artifacts, we can see the language of the day, and even though this may not be your exact story, you may resonate with this. So there's a, there's a professor out there, his name is Dr. James Chong, he's connected with us here in the APC. He's the Vice President of Strategy and Innovation for InterVarsity, and he's done a lot of work around generations and sort of what is the spiritual question of the day for different generations. So, I'm just gonna walk through these really briefly for you. Uh, for the boomer generation, if you were born before 1960, the spiritual question considered for that generation is what is true? What really engages, according to this survey, sort of this study, is that in this generation, what engages this generation is what is actually true and right. This is where the world of apologetics comes from. Let's seek out the ultimate truth. In the boomer generation, we would want to hear exegetical scripture. We would want to actually walk through scripture passages. We would want to know that what we're pursuing is true. Does that resonate? Next generation up is Gen X. This is 1960, born 1961 to about 1981, is Generation X. Generation X was, was shaped by the cultural norms of the day, as we all know. This is the latchkey generation. This is a generation that says, no, no, the spiritual question for my generation is not what is true, but what is real. Because so many things were breaking apart at that time that the question becomes, are you authentic? That generation X generation will often sort of um, resonate with story and struggle. And are you gonna tell me that there really are questions? Are you gonna tell me that you yourself do struggle because the spiritual question of the time is what is real? They had been in a time of, of controversy in politics, in, in corruption in politics, and so that's, it's, it's a natural reaction to that. They don't like authority. Uh, millennials, born 1982 to maybe 2002, 2000, question of millennials is what is good? This is a very overparented generation as a response to that latchkey generation. And for millennials, the question becomes not so much about what is true, not what is real, but is what you're doing actually doing good in the world? This is our social justice generation. They care deeply about the idea, do your actions match your words? Does what you say about who this Jesus is actually come out in the way that you live your life? Not your personal piety as much as how does this impact the world? How do we care for the poor? How do we care for the immigrant? What do we think about injustice? Millennials care about what is good. And finally, our current generation, Gen Z, born 2000-ish till now, and in this generation, the question changes once again. We have our first completely post-Christian generation, our first generation that has been raised with the answer to everything on their phone, accessible in a millisecond. And the question here changes radically because the question now moves back to desire. In a world where I can have all the information that I need, in a world where I can be socially connected but terribly lonely, the question becomes, what is beautiful? This is another artist generation similar to the time in the civil rights movement, where now the question is what is purpose? What is transcendent? What is more than what we see right here? 
Now you may or may not relate with that based on when you were born, but what I want you to hear most of all is do you understand how different it is if my heart's question is what is beautiful and your heart's answer is what is true? Do you see how we would miss each other? If what I'm really longing to understand and to know is are you real and you answer me with, well, here's what is going on that's good, I'm like, well, wait, we're missing each other. And this can be one of the reasons even more that we feel like we can't share our faith, maybe across generations, to our grandchildren or to our parents, we feel like we miss each other. In a lot of ways, that might make you just want to give up because it's like, well, I, I don't, this is how I know God. This is how I experience God. I don't know how to do that. But here's what's beautiful is that generations come and go, cultures come and go, but humans stay the same. And our God and his way of reaching us stays the same. You are here because somebody shared their faith with you. And someone else will be changed because of the way you share your faith with them. Because our human hearts, although we may respond slightly different, everything in scripture still gives us what we need to be able to speak the truth, to bear witness to who our God is, to the Jesus that we follow. Who Jesus is answers every single one of those questions. If you, if you walk through the gospels and you understand the stories of scripture, you'll see that Jesus answers questions of what is true, what is real, what is good, what is beautiful. So with all of that, knowing that there's a little part of us that feels like we're not quite doing this right, there's the reality of different generations and different ways they engage the question. I say we take all of that and say, okay, let's put together something that can help you engage with exactly what God's asking you to do and what that looks like on Monday of this week, on Thursday of this week, on every day of your life. And I wanna do that with just like five Five ways to do that, okay? And this is, this is truly from my own really praying and thinking, how do I engage with what does it look like to live as part of the kingdom in my everyday life, in the places that I find myself, in the relationships that I'm in? So this is a little bit of like a, a spiritual devotion this morning, okay? So we're gonna do five things. If you're a person who takes notes, I would encourage you to take notes. I thought about trying to make like a motion for each of these, but I gave up. I just was like, no, just write it down. So here's the first one, ready? This is your thumb. This is receiving God's power. This is the first and foremost thing. If we don't know what we're after, if we don't know how we're getting there, if we don't know what God's asking us to do, if we just sort of have all of these voices of condemnation or strange like shame in us about what we're supposed to do or, or, or even fear that's like, if I don't do this thing, like if I don't have this conversation with this cashier in the grocery store right now, they're gonna miss their ticket to heaven and it's, it's gonna be on me. Do you guys, realize how ridiculous that sounds too when we say it out loud. Like as if the God of the universe is going to be shaped by your failure. Like as if the God of the universe doesn't have 1 million and 100 ways to reach that cashier, amen? But that doesn't mean that we're not supposed to do anything. So we, we need to know what that framework is. So, so here's what I have for receiving God's power. This is what we read this morning in Romans chapter one. It gave us this sense of what is God actually calling us to do? So because it's 20, 24, I asked ChatGPT to tell me how this would sound written for today. So here we go. Hey everyone, I'm excited to share, share some thoughts with you. This is Nicole reaching out to you with a message that comes from my deep conviction. I've been set apart to bring you this news this morning, which was promised by God through his prophets in the sacred scriptures. Listen to this, this message revolves around Jesus Christ, who is both fully divine and a descendant of King David according to human lineage, through him 
we have received grace and a calling to live a life dedicated to God's purpose. So to all of you out there, consider yourselves part of those who are loved by God and called to be his people. I hope this resonates with you and inspires you on your journey to faith. Now, this is not the sacred scriptures. This is chat GPT reading through every translation and saying, hey, this is what it sounds like in 2024. But I love this phrase. Through God, you have received both a grace and a calling because that becomes our guardrails for how we're engaging with our faith in our everyday life. We've got grace on one side and a calling on the other. These are our rails. Here is the grace that is given to us from 1 Corinthians verses three through five. What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned each to his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants, notice how many times this is reiterated. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. When I think about this phrase of what it means that God has given us a grace, I think about, imagine if we had a puzzle that was, it was a 500 piece puzzle and each of us had a piece. And together, we were gonna build this puzzle out and I had to bring my one piece to the puzzle because the puzzle's not complete without my one piece. And when I think about the work of God calling someone to himself, I often think it's probably not a 500 piece puzzle, it's probably a 5,000 piece puzzle. The number of ways that God has engaged with a person patiently, intentionally, purposefully over the course of their life every single one of those ways that someone has been a part of planting a seed, watering a seed, that all of us together get to engage with putting our piece, and maybe you've been given 20 pieces of that puzzle in someone's life, and maybe you've been given one. But if you, if you knew that what God was calling you to was one piece of a puzzle, and that your engagement with that person, the way that you loved them that morning, the, the conversation you had on the airplane, the way that you engaged them when they were your student, how you saw them here at church, that God had given you a piece of their story and he was calling you to be a person who put a piece of that story into their life. Does that sound freeing to you? I know for me that's so freeing. It's like, oh, I don't have to be responsible for this. I'm not responsible for the whole thing. God is the one who is at work. He has merely given me a piece of the puzzle and he's inviting me to be a part of the work that he does. Does that make sense? Does that feel good? That feels good to me. I'm like, oh good, oh good. So if you've, if you've given me all of these puzzle pieces today for all of these people that I may engage with, God help me use and steward what you've given me today knowing that you are the one who is doing the building. You are the one who is writing the story in that person's life. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation, someone else is building on it. That's the grace side, that's the rail on grace. But the other side is the calling, that we have been given a calling, Acts 1.8. 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Friends, if you are following Jesus, if you've said yes to Jesus, you have also said yes to being his witness which means your whole life is a story that's being told about what it means to follow Jesus. That's what we're doing. We weren't given a doctrine, we were given a story. And the story is about our lives, about what God is doing in our lives. And here is where the real challenge comes in in evangelism, is that what we're actually needing to do is live a dynamic life with Jesus so that we have something to say about our dynamic life with Jesus, amen? If I'm not living a daily dynamic life with Jesus, it's really, it's really hard actually to tell my witness, to be a witness, to tell my story. So, so what God's calling us to is an invitation where he says, I want you to be a part of a dynamic story that I am writing in this world, that I'm writing in your community, that I'm writing in someone's life, many people's lives that you're in. And I'm writing it in your life because that is what I've given you. What I've given you is your story. And so the challenge is to say, absolutely, I need to receive God's power before I even leave my home, before my feet hit the ground when I wake up in the morning. I want to receive God's power. I want to receive this truth. If you hear nothing else, I want you to receive this truth that God has given you a grace and a calling. He has given you a piece of a puzzle, maybe 20 pieces, and he's given you a story. And somehow he's gonna work those things together for his good and his glory in your life, today, tomorrow, Thursday morning. He's gonna keep doing that over and over again. That's what he calls us to do. So if this is true, if you can believe this is true, here's the four other parts to this for me on how this goes. So first one is I receive God's power. We receive God's power for what he's calling us to do. The second is that we practice praying on the spot. Praying on the spot to me is like when you are in the pool and you dip your head back in the, in the pool if you're swimming and all, everything changes, the sound around you changes because your ears are underwater, even for just a second, right? Like it's, it, to me, swimming in a pool is my best analogy of, of sh shifting into a different world, right? We're human beings who need air, but like when you go down into underwater, you're in a different world all of a sudden. It sounds different, it feels different for just a second even. And, and I think praying on the spot is like dipping into the kingdom of God, into your relationship with God right in the moment that you're in. And we see this in scripture. I know that we just went through a series on Nehemiah. Look at this happen in Nehemiah 2 verse 4. Nehemiah has come to the king to make a request, and it says that his, his face was sad in the king's presence, and the king noticed and said to Nehemiah, what is it that you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. Like all of that happened at one time. Then I, it's not like Nehemiah was like, hold please king, I need five minutes to go commune with my Lord, right? Like no, he just is there in the moment. But in the moment as he's answering, he's praying and answering right at the same time. And I think we can all use practice with this. The practice is that when we're engaging, we dip in with the Lord to say, I wanna be with you right now in this relationship. Just the, the minute that, I, that I'm, as I'm stepping into a Zoom room and entering into a one-on-one, -on -one, God, will you be with me right now in this relationship so I can know how you want me to use this puzzle piece today? God, I want to be with you in this relationship as I engage with my spouse, with my family, with people who are far from God, with people who are struggling with God. I want to be with you in that place. 
And so I wanna pray on the spot. I wanna dip my head back into the kingdom of God so that when I come up, I know, God, you're with me. I just, it's just a simple action to say, Holy Spirit, lead this conversation. We trust and believe that God is the one who can do that. Faith is believing that God is using you, he's working in you, he's working in the other. You can wait for the Holy Spirit's orders. And that's a beautiful freeing concept as well, that God will direct you, but we do need to be attentive to what God's doing. Receive his power, pray on the spot. Imagine with Jesus. This is number three. Imagine with Jesus. Imagine with Jesus what he's doing in someone's life. Imagine with Jesus, with that person that you love so deeply and that you want to see them flourish with God. And they seem to be running away or they seem to be rebelling or there's pain in their life. Imagine with Jesus what Jesus is up to in that person's life. I know that we are a very intellectual denomination. We are on a branch of the kingdom of God and we really, really value using our minds but God is a creative and beautiful God. And God is a God of imagination. He has given us imagination. George MacDonald was a contemporary of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis is the one who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, many, many books of faith, but particularly those books. And they were contemporaries, and George MacDonald said this, the best thing you can do for your fellow man is not to give him things to think about, but to wake things up that are in him. That is to say, to make him think things for himself. So many of us think that if, if I can give you the information, if you don't have the information and I can lay out for you what faith is really about, that's what you need. And what George MacDonald said that actually inspired C.S. Lewis to write children's novels and to write the Chronicles of Narnia was this idea that, oh no, no, actually the best thing we can do for a person is to wake things up in them that are already there to help them think about things that they need to think about, not to think those things for them. Does that make sense? I love this, this quote from Eugene Peterson. He wrote the, the message version of the scriptures and he talked about how his love for the Bible was first sparked by his mother. His mother at a very young age, mid-20s, traveled around as a preacher. Eugene Peterson went with her until he was age six. He was her chaperone while she was a traveling preacher. And he recalls how his mom's preaching and storytelling is what forged his imagination. From the age of three to six, she went as her chaperone to Sunday night meetings in various locations in Montana. Rough loggers and miners came to sing, came to hear her proclaim biblical stories and have her pray for them. These men, never a woman in the audience, would openly weep, honking into their red bandanas, wiping their tears without embarrassment. What, Eugene's Peters, what Eugene Peterson's mom was able to do was evoke imagination through the stories of the Bible. She didn't go through here, she went through here. And even the roughest guys of that generation responded to the love of the gospel. We can imagine with Jesus. We can imagine with Jesus, with a person that God's given us to love. We don't have to know exactly how to pray for someone, although I'll give you some thoughts on that. We can just imagine that person with us, with Jesus. Lord, I, I don't know what to say, but I'm just gonna bring this person to my mind. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna sit here with you, with this person. 
in my mind, I'm gonna just know, Lord, you're, you're, you're doing a story, you're doing something in this person's life, I'm just gonna imagine with you what you're doing. And it's crazy, because God will give you questions to ask. God's will give you a moment to share. You'll understand how, as we get to the next point, number four, how to knock on the door. How to knock on the door of a person's heart. It's not about thinking, it's about provoking this space where you're like, okay, I am, I am in Christ, which means everywhere I go, Christ goes with me. So this person might not know they're about to have a spiritual encounter, but they're having a spiritual encounter because Jesus is in me, so wherever I go, I bring the love of Christ with me, and that's just part of the story. Now, now can my fear, and can my anger, and yes, of course, those things can sort of muddy up the waters of what God's doing, but Christ is with you. So, so everywhere you go, church is going with you. And that, you're, in, you're in row 34E on Delta on the way home to Richmond, Virginia, church is coming with me. Whoever's next to me, they're about to be at church with me because Jesus Christ is with me. Jesus Christ is with you wherever you go. So we can knock on the door, but before you knock on someone's door, and what I mean by that, before you engage in a conversation where you're desiring to take the conversation deeper than just surface level, I do wanna ask you these three questions. I think we have to be honest with ourselves with these three answers. Before you knock, before you engage with someone, here's the question, are you actually interested in them? If you're not, don't knock. Ask God to give you love for that person. Ask God to give you compassion. Ask God to give you interest. If you're actually interested in them, you're in the clear. Are you willing to share your own heart? This is a huge one. Are you willing to share your own heart? Are you willing to be vulnerable? Are you willing to say something or, or share something that perhaps it's just, it makes, it's a little hard for even you to do, but you're willing to share your story, your heart. Are you willing to, to open up about something that's been difficult in your life? Do you feel love for the person? And yeah, I'm talking about people close to you, people in your household, people in your school, people in your workplace, but also people you don't even know. If, if you look at a person and you're like, I feel love for this person, then, then the Holy Spirit is working in your life and you should knock on that door. Knocking on that door looks different in a lot of different ways. For me, a lot of the times it looks like being sort of curious about if they're interested in spiritual things. I'll tell you two stories from a plane. First story, I'm on a plane and I, I, I always try to at least, I, and guys, I don't always want to talk on a plane. I get it if you don't want to talk on a plane. Sometimes I don't either. Um, and that's where you're engaged with the Holy Spirit. D does God have a puzzle piece? Did he give me a puzzle piece today? I'm not sure. I'm gonna ask God if he did, and, and usually, sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. I, used to, I usually always try to tell the person my name and say like, hi, you know, in my mind, I'm like, hey, we're, we're, we're gonna hurtle through the air at very rapid speeds together. Let's just at least know who we are, and, and basically we're in each other's personal space immediately. So I introduce myself, I try to look them in the eye one time, because usually that's enough to know if this door is, should I knock on this door or not, is, is whether or not a person will look you in the eye. Um, and then I'll, I'll ask a question maybe about their life. I remember seeing a guy and saying, you know, hey, where are you headed? And he started talking to me about how he was on a yoga instructor training. Well, I said, are you interested in spiritual things? And so we talked a little bit about some of the spiritual things in yoga and that conversation, that was the end of it. But I was able to tell him some spiritual things about my own life, right? And it was very pleasant, that was it. Another time I was on an airplane and a woman comes on and she comes on very flustered and she has many shopping bags which she's like putting up at the overhead bin and she, she sort of flops down like very dramatically next to me and I'm like, 
hey, did, did you have a good weekend? She's like, ah, oh, you know, retail therapy. And I was like, oh, are you having a hard time? For an hour and a half, we talked, she cried, she told me about her divorce, she told me about her life, she told me about the desires that she's had. Well, she didn't know that she was doing this to this level, but in my mind, I'm like, what I heard was all of her desires for more, all of her desires for good, all of the ways that the things that the world gives us haven't worked for her. And it was a beautiful conversation. It was just one puzzle piece. I don't know her name. I don't know if she came to faith. I'm praying that she does. I had only one piece of that story. But all I knew was I, I know I'm gonna knock and if God gives an opening, I'm gonna walk into that opening. And if God doesn't, that means it's, I, I'm just, it's grace and a calling, guys. It's grace and a calling every single day. We ask ourselves, am I actually interested? Do I wanna share my own heart? Do I feel love for this person? And then when a conversation wraps up, my last one here, number five, leave with a blessing. And what I mean by leave with a blessing is let objections and questions come into the light. That's part of the process. You don't have to answer or engage all of those things. But you can in your heart desire God to bless the person that you have been with. You may not actually pray for them out loud, or maybe you will. You'd be surprised how many people are open to that. You may not actually do that. You may not actually tell them that you're giving a blessing, but in your heart you're like, Lord, go with this person. Without, you know, I did, I did my part, I planted my seed, God. Just bring believers around them today. You leave them with a blessing. You may leave them with a specific invite or an encouragement. And I always encourage this. What's the worst thing that's gonna happen if you, if you leave someone with an invite? They're gonna say no. Everybody likes to be invited, it's okay. If you've got a specific invite, whether it's to church, whether it's to your home, like we talked about last week, whatever that is, leave them with an encouragement. Do you wanna keep this conversation going, you might say. God doesn't ask us to do it all, and most of us don't actually get all the puzzle pieces for one soul. But God does ask us to take the one puzzle piece we've given and to use it and to, and to place it and to be a part of that story. And, and I do hope that in heaven we might be able to see how God weaves these beautiful stories together with all the people and all the conversations, the ones that have been a part of you coming to faith and the ones that will be a part of many people around you also coming to faith. You may not be a part of that story. You may not even know that it happens, but it's a beautiful reality to know that we have that gift. I wanna close with a story that I may have told you guys before about a friend of mine named Leslie. Leslie came to faith in her late 20s. Um, so she was an adult believer, so passionate about God, so on fire about hospitality. She just was a beautiful person. I got to volunteer with her in a variety of settings and she had had cancer at a young age and then that leukemia returned when she was in her late 40s and got to walk with her through her life and um, into her passing on. And right before she died, a couple weeks before she died, um, things had gotten really difficult. She was just in the hospital at that point and I went to visit her and she told me all about her sister. And she had been so deeply desiring for her sister to come to Christ and to come to know the Lord. And, and I came in with Leslie and her face lit up and she said, you know, we prayed. They prayed for me, meaning her family. My family prayed for me and I could tell for the first time, I was holding my sister's hand, and I could tell for the first time that she really prayed. And, and that, was, that, that was enough for Leslie. Like, she knew she had been part of a story, and she knew that she had been part of a moment. I think God gave her a grace to know, in this moment right here, your sister's really praying. And she passed away. But I was, 
I, I can't ever get that memory out of my mind. The beauty of the radiance of her face and the spiritual reality of her desire to just surrender to God's story and say, God gave me a puzzle piece and I played it and to leave the rest of it in his hands. So as we close this morning, I wanna give you guys a prayer. Um, this is a prayer again from InterVarsity. Uh, just a little way to pray maybe about your week. So would you join me as we pray and we engage with this idea of a grace and a calling. Lord, lead us to every place you want us to go. Lord, use us to both preach and show the good news. Lord, help us to bring others along on the journey who can be trained to do the same work. Lord, allow us to see people's lives definitively and miraculously changed by Christ. And Lord, allow us to meet every need through your people not just spiritual needs, but material needs. Father, bring a crowd of believers around those we love so that they may experience the story of your love and grace and goodness for them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, everyone.